If you haven't started your own podcast yet, you may be wondering what the workload and week-by-week commitment are really like. And if you already have your own podcast, you may be wondering how what you're doing compares to what other podcasters are doing in their shows and how you can improve your workflow. Now, I'm just a sample size of one, but today I'm going to share the essentials of how I run this show, the work that goes into it, and how I make my workload easier. Welcome to episode 100 of Podcast Launchpad. I'm Kelly. I am thrilled to be celebrating this milestone with you. I'm hitting episode 100 just a little less than seven months after starting this show. It hit it so fast because I did an episode a day in November last year and was putting out three episodes a week for a few months. Now I'm doing two episodes a week definitely passed that elusive pod fade line a while ago. So a few weeks ago in episode 95, I shared some of how I run this show to avoid burnout and pod fade. I'm going to repeat a little bit of that today. I'll also be repeating a little of what I shared in episode 85, how to be a great host for your podcast guests. And I'll be giving you a preview of what I'll be sharing in episode 103 about creating systems for your podcast. That is going to be a really important episode for you. Today really is sort of a catch-all to give you a complete overview of what it's like to run your own podcast. I'll also tell you how I make money from my show, one of the biggest questions I get about podcasting. So let's start out with how much work I put into my podcast every week. Now, first, let me put this in a context for you. I'm a professional podcaster. It's not that I make money from sponsorships, but this show is my primary marketing tool for my podcast consulting business. Obviously, I teach podcasting. So I am always working on podcasting in some form or other, pretty much every day. That is not going to be your case. When you're a health coach or a life coach, for example, your podcast may still be your primary marketing tool, but you won't constantly be working on podcasting because that's not your job like it is mine. When I was a website designer before I started this show and I was running the Marketing Chat podcast, I spent way less time on my podcast. Podcasting was just a marketing tool for me, not my job. Back then, I published two episodes a week, one solo and one interview, and I'm doing that now too. So then and now, I scheduled and do schedule out my episodes several weeks in advance. As I discuss in episode 95 on avoiding burnout and pod fade, I spend a few days recording and editing several solo shows to go out for several weeks. I've already got interviews recorded and edited. Then I schedule them all, ideally for six to nine weeks in advance. So let me say something about those interviews that I didn't say in episode 95. 
it's really ideal to go ahead and edit those episodes right after recording them. Also, write the show notes right away. That makes it so much easier to schedule them later. The editing is much faster because you remember how much or how little you have to edit. For example, some interviews, you really won't have anything to edit out at all. You'll just be adding in your intro and your outro. So I do like to take a little clip to tack on to the beginning before my intro music. So, you know, like take a clip from something that the guest says that's nice and juicy and put at the very beginning. It's like a cold open to the episode. But often there isn't anything to cut out of the actual interview. You know, I don't cut out all filler ums, for example. Sometimes I don't cut out any of them because I want the episode to sound really natural. So when I edit right away, I remember, because I just did the interview, how much there is, if anything, to edit out. When I wait to edit later, particularly if I'm waiting weeks or a few months to edit when the episode is about to come out, I have totally forgotten which interviews need to be edited and which ones are fine as is. So that means I have to watch the whole thing very carefully to see what I need to edit out. That's sort of a waste of time if there ends up being nothing to edit out. Now, of course, you do need to make audiograms or videograms of your episodes. So that means you do need to listen or watch carefully. But if you edit right away, you may remember approximately where some juicy clips are, and you may be able to fast forward through to get to those. Now, in my case, Podbrand creates the videograms from my interview episodes. That's a, the company Podbrand. So that also saves me significant time. The only videograms I'm making are for my solo episodes. All right. So time spent on your podcast can be several hours over the course of just a few days in one week for several solo episodes. You want to schedule those out in advance. Then record and edit your guest episodes as many as you can all at once. Now you're ready to schedule those. So you don't have to record and schedule week by week. The only recording you may be doing every week is interviews if you decide to allow that. What you can do is allow interviews only every other week or even just once a month. Fit in as many interviews as possible in as short a time as possible, then be done for a while. So don't open up your whole calendar to, desks, uh, to guests. Be precious with your time so that you're not constantly working on your podcast. I am very strict about limiting my calendar, but I do allow up to three interviews a day for two days a week during the weeks that I do interviews. While I was selling my house and moving, I didn't do any interviews for a whole month. I had enough pre-recorded 
that I had a nice buffer. I was scheduling more for later in the summer, but I didn't conduct any new ones during that month of getting my house ready to close and then actually moving to Houston. Now, even though I schedule episodes weeks in advance, when I get an idea for an episode and feel motivated to write it or even record it right then, I do. I don't necessarily wait until my next official batching time. When the spirit moves me, I go with it. So that's one way I end up spending more time on my show than you should be. Also, I may re-record an episode I've already scheduled if I think of something I want to change in it. You really should try to avoid doing that. Like, nothing has to be perfect, right? But since I'm teaching you how to podcast, if I realize that I accidentally left something out or I think of some other little tidbit I really want to include, I'll redo the episode. So yes, I could just re-record that little bit and edit it in, but I want the sound to be the same. Plus, since I do video, I want that to be the same. I'm not going for perfection. I'm going for consistency. All right, let's talk more about having guests on your show. I already mentioned not allowing guests to schedule themselves nine to five Monday through Friday. You should block specific times on specific days for interviews. You can do interviews every week. You can do them every other week, or you can limit them to more times just once a month. That is a great way to batch your interviews. If you can schedule six to nine interviews over the course of two to three days once a month, those interviews can last you up to nine weeks, depending on how often you release your episodes. I released I release guest episodes once a week, so nine interviews last me nine weeks. Conduct nine interviews once a month for six months, and you've got enough interviews to last you for more than one year. What you will be doing week by week or however often you release new episodes is promoting your episodes. As I mentioned, I recommend creating audiograms, videograms, and or other social media assets right when you're editing your episodes. Also, go ahead and write the copy for those assets at the same time. That makes it so much easier when it comes time to promote the episode. All right, so let's recap this real quick. You can spend a few days, once a month, recording, editing, and scheduling six episodes in advance, or a few more, six to nine episodes in advance. Then you can record, edit, and schedule six, six interviews over the course of a few days during another week once a month. If you do both solo episodes and interviews, you've now got 12 episodes from just one month of recording. If you, re if you release one episode a week, you've got 12 weeks done. If you release two episodes a week, you've got six weeks done. You can now repeat this next month, 
and the next, and always have a buffer and always have buffer episodes pre-scheduled, which is exactly what you want. If you schedule 12 episodes in advance, then you can do this every other month. How cool is that? So if you do this one time a month, recording, editing, scheduling session, and you keep ideally 12 episodes scheduled, do this every other month, you are always ahead of the game every other month. All right, so let's talk about systems for a minute. Again, I'm going to do an entire episode on podcast systems for episode 103. So I won't go into all the nitty gritty details here. But to make this whole process work of not recording every week, you need a few systems in place. So first, you definitely need a content calendar. I write down ideas for episodes in an Apple note. That's just where I love to do that. Then I create a new note for each episode so I can write the outline there. So now you can do this in any word processing or note type system you want. If you want to use Word, you can do that. If you want to use Google Docs, you can do that. Whatever system you want. In my main Apple note, I plan out the next several months or year, however long, based on what's going on in my business. So for example, I look at future programs or service launches and plan some episodes around those launches. Then I take my episode topics and put them into my official content calendar that I keep in a Google Sheet. So in that content calendar, I track the date of release of the episode, the episode number, the episode title, the status of the episode, meaning whether it's written, recorded, edited, scheduled, or published. I track the guest's email there for interview episodes. And then I track the final URL of the episode on my website. This system makes it super easy to look ahead and see which episode is due to come out when, and I can easily move episodes around if I need to. Now, another big system you need, when you interview guests on your show, is a system for tracking guests. Now, listen to episode 85 on how to be a great host for your guest for lots of details on this. I do a couple of different things depending on whether I invite the guests to my show or whether they ask to be a guest on my show. When they ask to come on my show, I send them to a guest intake form. Through that form, they give me their email address, phone number, website address, bio, topic for the uh, for the episode, which they've already we've already discussed, but I want a reminder in that intake form. They give me a few bullet points, a photo, and permission to use the episode in perpetuity. After they fill out the form, then my system automatically sends them an email with the link to get scheduled to schedule the actual interview. 
Now, in contrast to that, when I invite a guest to my show, I create a sort of concierge service for them. I do not send them the intake form. I give them the scheduling link right away. I do ask for a photo. Otherwise, I come up with everything else. When I invite them onto my show, I suggest the topic. I come up with their bio slash introduction. And I just, I do all the work. I also, I mean, of course, I come up with the questions for the guests who, and who ask me to come on the show. And I particularly do it with guests I invite onto the show. Now, when I find guests through Podmatch, a fabulous matchmaking service for hosts and guests, there are already photos and bios that you can pull from the guest's profile. That makes it really easy. So I keep a separate Apple note again for each guest episode, and I put the guests into my content calendar. In both places, I write down when the interview is scheduled to happen. I write down their email address. In the Apple note, I put their website address and topic. I put their bio if they gave me one, and if they didn't, then I write the bio introduction and outline in the Apple note. I also create a separate folder in my general podcast launchpad folder on my hard drive, of course, for each guest. So in their folder, I put their photo. That's where I'll end up putting the raw video as well as the edited video, the final audio, the episode cover art, and all the social media assets. So I've got that system in place for keeping track of all of the files, the photos, and just all of the assets for their episode. Okay. Finally, let's talk about how I make money from my podcast. I do not currently have sponsors and I do not currently sell ad space on my show. I do have a partnership with StreamYard, which is fabulous. I love using StreamYard for recording my guest episodes. And I will also use it to record many of my solo episodes because it uses less RAM than other recording software on my computer. And the recording quality is great. So the actual money that I make from my podcast, I make from clients and the Women Podcasters Academy course. It's, it's a, a standalone DIY or self-paced course. So people find me through my podcast or will learn about me through my podcast before reaching out to me to work with me. So they may find me some other way and then check out my podcast before reaching out to me. So as I said earlier, my podcast is my number one marketing tool for my podcast consulting business. My business card is actually my podcast cover art on one side and my contact info plus a QR code to my podcast on my website on the other side. The best way for people to get to know more about me is through my show. Checking it out on my website is great because then they can read my about page and check out my services and the Women Podcasters Academy course. Side note, 
when you're using your podcast as a marketing tool for your business, consider at least putting a QR code to it on your business card, physical or digital. I still use a physical card because I can't find digital ones when people share those with me. I mean, most of the time we forget people's names right away, right? Unless we end up chatting with them for a longer period of time. When someone sends me a digital business card, it goes straight into my contacts. How am I supposed to find them again if I've forgotten their name? Now, when I get a physical business card, I can write notes on it, which I often do. I can add them to my contacts later with those notes about what we talked about, whom else we were talking to during that conversation, that type of thing, what I want to remember about them. Did I want to invite them to be a guest on my show? Did I want to reach out to them about being a guest on their show? Could they be a potential client? You know, what's the connection there? Did we have people in common, that type of thing. When they send me a digital card, it's it's just gone, especially if I'm at a conference and meeting a bunch of people at once. That happened at PodFest in January. Several people sent me digital cards and they were just immediately lost. I put them in my phone and they went away and I couldn't find them again. And instead, all the physical cards that I had I would come back to the room at, for a break and I would put those into my contacts and make notes about them and make notes on the physical card and it was so much easier to follow up. Okay, that's a side note. <laughs> anyway, all right, that is it for episode 100. I am thrilled that y'all were here for this milestone with me. I really appreciate you're being with me on this podcasting journey and that you are bringing me along on your podcasting journey. Thank you so much. Please follow this show so you don't miss a single episode and I will see you next time on Podcast Launchpad.